0: We can open up your Bibles to James chapter two verse verse one James chapter two verse one. We've been on a sermon series. We started a new sermon series um, last week uh, regarding the book of James um, and last week we we kind of talked about uh, three things that Jane mentions within the first uh, chapter or within the first verses of the chapter. Um, He talks about trials, he talks about wisdom, and he talks about having faith. Um, And the reason why he talks about trials is because, right, we all know that we are to expect trials to come in our lives, right? Trials are going to come. And James's whole point is that the reason why trials come into your life is to develop you, is to help you grow, is to mature you. God is using your trial to, to help you as a Christian, to mature you as a Christian believer, right? And, and then he says, you know what? If you need help, if you need wisdom, ask God, pray to God, and he'll give it to you. But you have to ask him. God knows what you're going through. Just ask him, right? Don't go to no one else. Don't seek advice from someone else. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to get true wisdom, ask God. And then he says, not only ask, but believe. When you pray, when you're asking God, when you're, when you're praying to him, don't just ask him. It's just going to be empty words. I need you to believe. I need you to have faith in what you're asking. I need you to have faith that he will provide. And so we talked about that last week. And just to give you a little bit of context, because maybe you, you, you missed last week, but the book of James, we don't know who really wrote it. Uh, there's a couple of Jameses in the Bible, but we're almost certain that it's uh, James, the brother of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus half brother. Um, and this book is just so, so filled with wisdom. James really likes to confront you on issues that you're so sensitive of, issues that you don't really want to talk about. And so he'll confront things that, that really touch the sweet spot, things that really t- take us out of our comfort zone. And he begins to talk a lot about faith or whatnot. And, and so James is really challenging a lot of us. And he's challenging these Christians, these Christians who are being persecuted, who are going through certain things, and, and they're scattered throughout different places. And so he's writing this letter to them. And, and, and in chapter 2, verse 1, James says, My brothers and sisters... Believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ uh, must not show favoritism. James gives the, the, the theme of, 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 you can say, chapter 2, right? Believers in our Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Look at verse 2. Such a man comes into a meeting, or suppose a man comes into your meeting, wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand over there or you sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my my dear brothers and sisters, Has God not chosen those poor people, right, uh, those who are poor in his eyes, right, uh, or in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Interesting what James is saying. He says if you're, doing, if, if, if you're loving your neighbor as you love yourself, you're doing a good thing. You're doing the right thing as a Christian what you're doing is correct. But then he, he, he goes into something that's straight, a, a, a straight to the point, something that's super simple. If you show favoritism, you what? You sin. You sin. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for this word. Lord, uh, I, I pray that you, you begin to speak to us, Holy Spirit. I pray that uh, you begin to confront us. That you begin to take us out of our comfort zone. That you can uh, open our eyes, possibly change our perspective. You can cause a change through your word, a a transformation through your word, Father God. And so I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given me to to be here on this uh, pulpit, on on this stage. And I just pray that you use me to speak uh, to your children and and, and to, to, uh, you know, us that are here this morning, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you begin to open up hearts and ears, that we can truly walk out of here differently, Father God. And so I put this all in your name, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Amen and amen. You can take your seat. How many have been treated differently before? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've been treated differently before. Maybe you've been treated differently because of of how you dress or what you wear. I can't tell you the amount of people that have told me how they don't like my ripped jeans (laughs) or or the holes that I have on my shirt sometimes. (laughs) It was was one time. True story. I'm not even joking with you. True story. There's a lady who came up to me after church one day And she's like, you know what? You're not supposed to wear ripped jeans on Sundays. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that. (laughs) And I didn't really, I mean, I understand why she said it because maybe she grew up in a different generation. She grew up differently, but I grew up differently as well. And so I, I thought it was a little weird how she didn't really like my whip, my ripped jeans, but you know I understood as well. But a lot of us have have been have been treated differently before. A lot of us have been judged before. Maybe you've been judged because you're loud, or you're always angry, or you're always giving people attitudes, or maybe you're not nice all the time, or 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 maybe you are nice. Maybe you've been judged because of your race. Can't tell you how many people you know, have called me Mexican, I'm not Mexican. (laughs) Right? Have they called you that before, and what they really meant to say was Hispanic? Right? I'm not, there's nothing wrong with being Mexican, don't get me wrong. (laughs) I love the Mexicans. I'm just not Mexican, right? And so but people, in a way, tend to judge you. People, in a way, tend to assume things about you. People, in a way, tend to treat you a little bit differently based on on, on maybe your outward appearance, based on how you speak, based on your skills or your talents, based on certain things about you. We've all been there. I remember one time um, when my brother first moved down to Houston uh, and he started working for the church he needed to get a desk for, for the office. And so we went to Ikea to try to look for a desk, and uh, he he picked out a, a, a big uh, wood desktop, right? But the legs that he picked out didn't go with the desktop. You, you ever been to Ikea, and you know that how, you know, that there's specific things that go together, right? You have to, in order for it to work in a way, you have to buy the right things and and so he picked out a desktop, but he chose the wrong legs, and he was like, you know what, I'm just going to make it work because I like these legs and I like this desktop, and that's it. And so we come to church. We're trying to figure out how to put the desk and the, and the legs together, and, and, and we, we, we realize that we need certain screws that are long, but we don't have screws. And so we have to go to the store, and we try, you know, we didn't really want to drive all the way to Home Depot because we've been there so many times. And so we try to look for a local hardware store and and nothing's really open and the only thing that is is open is Ace Hardware. And I never really been there but it's a little bit closer than Home Depot. And so we go in and we're looking for the screws that we need and we're going through every aisle and we can't really find it and we're looking and looking and looking because we don't want to be there for too long and we can't really find anything. And so we ask the lady, hey, can, where are the screws? At? We, we... And so she takes us to the back of the store, and there's just like a whole bunch of drawers filled with different types of, of screws. And my brother's there looking through all the drawers, trying to find the right one that he needs. And I look at the corner of my eye, and I see that this lady is just staring at us. And I didn't really think nothing of it, Right? But then I, I, I started to think, this is a little weird. Because then she started to sit down. And she's continuing, she's still looking at us. Typically, when, when you ask for help, right, the person takes you to what you're looking for. Right? They ask, oh, do you need any more help? Or, or maybe they just walk away and do their thing. She just stood there. Or she, she, she took a seat looking at us. And, and I was like, okay, well, this is slightly weird. But we just kept on looking for the screws, and and about five minutes later, a gentleman comes from the front to the back, and he also just sits there and, and he continues to stare at us. So now I have two people looking at us. <laughs> and so to myself, was like, man, we must be doing something that uh, that's entertaining. I, I never knew looking for screws was was that entertaining. Like I don't, what's going on here? Why are they Why are they looking at us? It is, Why? And I look at my brother and and we both look at each other and we know things are weird and we don't understand why. And so he finds the screws and we pay for them. And as we're walking out, I see a picture of of two uh, Hispanics who had previously, previously stolen something. And so you can understand how I felt that day. They thought that we were gonna steal something because we were Hispanics. And I walked out of there feeling disappointed because I expected maybe a little bit more from people, but I guess I sort of understand, but still I felt judged and I felt slightly treated differently because of of maybe somebody else's mistakes. And we've all, all been there before. We've all been judged, we've all been treated differently before, before. And, and James, uh, he really talks about this in, in chapter 2, and he's writing to Christians who, who have a problem with, with treating people differently. They saw the rich, and they favored the rich, but then when they saw the poor, they kind of just pushed them to the side. They were less important. They were, they were considered poss- possibly worthless, but it was the rich who they favored. It was the rich who they per- preferred to be around. It was the rich who they gave special treatment to. And, and James really kind of hits on this favoritism thing. He, he, he talks about how, how as Christians, you shouldn't have favorites, but that you should really love everyone equally. That you should rather see everyone equally. Just because the person next to you looks a little bit different, just because the person next to you does things a little bit different, doesn't give you the right to judge them. And so James says you shouldn't, don't judge people, but, but, but treat everyone equally. Don't have favorites, don't prefer a, a, a certain amount of, a certain group of people and, and exclude the others, but you have to treat everyone equally. And so James kind of talks about this within chapter 2. And that's what I want to talk about today, if you allow me to. Because I see three things that are wrong with 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 having favoritism. Three things that that lead us right to having favoritism. And the first thing that I see, the first point that I want to share with you with you is, is that favoritism leads us to judge. Favoritism leads us to judge. Look at James chapter 2, verse, verse 2. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring. And fine clothes. And a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand over there, or you sit by the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become, judge, uh, become judges with evil thoughts? James is giving a perfect example of, of what favoritism is like. He's painting a perfect picture of how favoritism is but you've excluded the poor. You've mistreated the poor. And what I find interesting is that James begins to tell him all these, he begins to ask him all these rhetorical questions, right? And he's asking them these rhetorical questions for a reason, because he's trying to make a point. And he knows that they know the answer. He's not expecting a a response. He's not expecting for them to answer. He knows that they know the answer. These Christians know that what they're doing is wrong. They know that that mistreating the poor is bad. They know that having favoritism to the rich is bad. They know this stuff, but they still continue to do it. That's why James asks them rhetorical questions. He's trying to call them out. And I wonder how many of us are kind of in that same boat. We know that we shouldn't show favoritism, but we still do. We know that we shouldn't judge people, but we still do. We know that mistreating or assuming things about people is wrong, but we still continue to do it anyways. And we're kind of like these Christians, aren't we? Where we know what the Bible says. We know what we're doing is wrong, but we still continue to do it anyways. And I wonder how many of us are like that. I wonder how many of us tend to judge people, tend to assume things about people, tend to mistreat people. I wonder how many of us are just like these Christians where we know what we're doing is wrong, but we still do it anyways. I think what James is trying to help us realize is that, man, you really need to see everyone as equal. Whether they're poor, whether they're rich, whether you like them or you don't, whether they've done something to you, whether they have something that you don't have, you have to see everyone as equal. Don't look at their outward appearance, don't begin to have favorites. We begin to love. And this is what we're going to talk about next on our third point, because it's very hard to love those who we don't like, isn't it? It's very hard to show love to our neighbor when they don't show love to us back. It's hard to show love to those who have mistreated us who've talked bad about us, who've gossiped about us. It's hard to show love to those who really, in our eyes, don't deserve our love. And James talks about this. He says in verse 8, if you keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin." And are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. The last thing that I see is that favoritism leads us to sin and not love. And I'll finish with this: It's interesting how James talks about this idea of loving our neighbors. It's more than an idea; in fact, it's a command. James is—he's quoting the Old Testament. In Leviticus 19.18, where it says, but love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, in fact, quotes that same Bible verse. When a man asks him, what are the, he he asks a trick question. He, He asks Jesus, what is the greatest command? And Jesus says, well, the first greatest command is that you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Right? We all know that. But then the second thing that James, or, or that Jesus says, is that you have to love your neighbor as yourself. And so even Jesus talks about this command of love, and that's why James calls this, this uh, he, he says in verse 8, it's a royal love because Jesus himself is the one who's commanding us to do it. Jesus himself is emphasizing on loving your neighbor as yourself. The question is, how does one love their neighbor? As they love themselves. Why why is James asking these Christians to love their neighbor as they love themselves? Why? Why is James quoting Uh, an Old Testament scripture, if you look at the context of Leviticus 19.18, if you look at the context of this verse, you'll see that it will begin to list all types of things of, of how to love your neighbor. And it begins to list things that we don't really like talking about. It talks on, on topics that are really sensitive. In that list, it talks about how we shouldn't hold grudges. Right? It talks about that if you're angry or if you have hatred towards someone, that don't keep it in silence, but, but talk it out with them and, and, and let them know. It talks about all these different things that we don't really like hearing in church, things that we struggle within ourselves, things that we don't really like to hear, things that we don't really like to talk about. It talks about gossip and spreading rumors. And the context of Leviticus 19.18 Right? It says if you want to love your neighbor as yourself, take all that stuff into consideration. Don't hold grudges. Don't, don't, don't keep your hatred in silence. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't gossip. Don't, don't begin to spread false rumors that if you truly want to love your neighbor as yourself, you have to take all that into consideration. And even in, in, in that list, in Leviticus, the book of uh, the chapter 19, you'll see how the author talks about favoritism. He talks about how it's wrong to have favoritism. And so that's why James quotes, he quotes this verse. Because if they can understand how to love their neighbor as themselves, then they'll understand that favoritism is wrong. They'll understand the context of Leviticus 19.18. That that it's bad to do all this other stuff. It's bad to hold grudges. It's it's, it's bad to gossip. It's bad to, to keep our hatred in ourselves. It's also bad to have favoritism. That if they can love their neighbor, that if they understand the context of this, of loving their neighbor, if they understand the command that Jesus is telling us to do, then they'll understand that favoritism is wrong. That it it's not good to have favorites. And so that's why James tells him, love your neighbor as yourself. But then he also says in verse 9, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. In other words, he's saying if you, don't, if you didn't understand this command of loving your neighbor as yourself Then understand the consequences of having favoritism. And is that it leads to sin. That it it's not something that God approves on. That it it's not something that God wants in your life. It's not something that God wants you to do as a Christian. That if you have favorites, you're sinning. Simply put, I'm not making this up. This is what the Bible says. Favoritism leads us to sin. And I often wonder how many of us have been sinning without knowing or understanding what favoritism is. I wonder how many of us have been sinning as we've shown favoritism to a select few. How we've judged. Certain people of their outward appearance. I wonder how many of us have only surrounded ourselves with a certain amount of people and excluded certain others. And James is saying favoritism leads to sin, guys. I need you to wake up. I need you to understand this. This is what James is telling to these Christians. Understand this. Evaluate yourselves. Look at your behavior. Look at what you're doing. I wonder how many of us have been guilty of this. That subconsciously we, we've been doing it, but we don't, you know, it's not, it's not our desire to, but we've just been doing it without noticing it. Maybe you have to evaluate, I don't know, the people who you work with. Maybe you have to evaluate your friends, maybe family members. James says, love your neighbor as, uh, as, as you love yourselves. What, what is your neighbor? Your neighbor is anybody who you cross paths with. And so, whoever it is, James is saying, don't have favorites, but treat everyone as equal. Love them. Because if you show favoritism, then you're not really loving. It's either you do one or the other. You can't love everyone equally, but have a select few of people you prefer to be around. You can't display love to, to, to your neighbor equally if you have favorites on the side. And so James is really just confronting our behavior. He's confronting the things that a lot of us are dealing with. And so I wonder if you're one of those people. I like what James says in chapter 1, verse 22. But don't just listen to the word of God. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And that passage, in in a way, speaks for itself. But if you listen to God's word, you must do what it says. And God's word is plain and simple. Favoritism is wrong. It's not something that God does. God doesn't show favoritism, so why should we? Why should we show favoritism? If God looks at the heart, then why are, are, are we judging for what's on the outside? So I wonder how many people want to be obedient to, to God's word. That really, we shouldn't just listen to it, but apply it in our lives. So I don't know if this is something you're dealing with. Maybe you haven't even thought about it until you've, you came today. Maybe throughout the week, you can evaluate what you've been doing. Have I been showing favoritism to certain people? Have I been judging people because I don't like something about them? Have I been excluding certain people because they look weird or, 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 or they look different or, or I don't really like how they dress or I don't really like how they act? Have, have I been judging people? Have I been showing favoritism to just a few select people? James wants us to take this in consideration because he worries about these Christians. He, he worries about, about their, their, their Christian life. He doesn't want them to sin. And I don't want you guys, or I don't want me to sin either. And so I just pray that we can be obedient to what James is saying, to what the Bible is saying, and not show favoritism, but rather treat everyone equally by showing love the love that Jesus commands us to do. Doesn't matter their background, doesn't matter their past. We have to show love. We have to love everyone equally with grace. Amen. Why don't we get up on our feet?